Welcome, race fans. This is episode number nine of the Push to Pass podcast. I am Derek Vance, and like I said, this is episode number nine. Uh, in this, in tonight's episode, uh, we will be reviewing the Iowa doubleheader uh, this past weekend, and then also uh, we will be previewing the Gallagher Grand Prix at the IMS Road Course here in the at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Also, too. Uh, joining us uh, this evening, uh, first we have a, a interview with uh, a an amazing journalist, uh, an amazing human being all around, uh, Jack Binion uh, from the Racer, and then from the uh, Racer IndyCar podcast. Uh, he'll be joining us, and then uh, later in the show, as always, uh, we'll be joined by Mike from Bet IndyCar uh, to take a look at uh, his winning bets uh, this past weekend at Iowa, and then to uh, preview uh, this weekend's bets here at uh, the infamous IMS road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But uh, before we get into anything, uh, again, like I said, let's take a look. Let's recap, uh, shall we, the race, the, the doubleheader uh, this weekend in Iowa. First, let's go to race number one. As you see the uh, the results up there on your screen, uh, I'll go over them first here momentarily, but a little bit of a recap of the uh, first of two uh, Iowa races uh, this past weekend at the uh, Iowa Motor Speedway. Uh, first, it was the HyveyDeals.com uh, 250 that you are currently seeing up on your screen. Uh, you know, when you think of the Iowa Super Speed or the Iowa Speedway, rather, uh, one name comes to mind: Pinsky. And that was exactly who dominated uh, race number one on uh, on Saturday. Uh, it was uh, uh, Penske driver Joseph Newgarden uh, extending Team Penske's dominant streak at the Iowa Speedway, uh, winning the first race of a weekend doubleheader Saturday and collecting his fourth victory at the shortest track on the NTT IndyCar schedule. Uh, Newgarden raced to his series best fourth uh, victory of the season and moved from fourth to second in a tight IndyCar championship fight. Uh, the Indianapolis 500 winner and current points leader, uh, Marcus Erickson, who finished eighth and had his lead in the standings sliced uh, to 15 points over Newgarden. Uh, Newgarden, uh, before coming in to the Iowa doubleheader this past weekend, uh, had been 44 points out of the championship uh, lead, like I said, going into the race uh, on the 0.894 mile oval, and uh, he made up as much ground as he could with his win on Saturday. Uh, some quotes, obviously, from uh, from Newgarden. Uh, quote, I'm glad I wore this uh, this cool shirt, uh, New Garden said, uh, talking about uh, the temperatures uh, at the Iowa Speedway over this past weekend. It was actually pretty nice and easy in there, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, the car was good. I was surprised at how hard these guys were pushing on the restarts. This was a long game day. And then also, too, I was disappointed after qualifying. I just hate losing, and I felt like we had enough to get the job done, and we didn't. I, I was motivated. I knew we had the car here today uh, to win this race in front of this great crowd. And as he said, it is one of his favorite tracks. Uh, Team Penske drivers had won six of the last seven races uh, at Iowa, uh, which uh, if you weren't paying attention to one of the sponsors, the main sponsor, 
uh, this past uh, uh, weekend. Uh, you want to talk about a excellent job that Hyvee, yes, the uh, local grocery store chain Hyvee, um, as the title sponsor of the doubleheader uh, entertainment extravaganza, uh, also included uh, not only a pair of races uh, this past weekend, but great musical performances uh, by the likes of Tim McGraw, uh, Florida Georgia Line, uh, Gwen Stefani, and Blake Shelton. Uh, also, uh, Pato Award, who is currently sitting sixth in the NTT IndyCar Series points, uh, finished second in his number five, Errol McLaren SP uh, Chevrolet, and was followed by pole sitter uh, Will Power of the number 12 Verizon 5G uh, Team Pinsky Chevrolet. And then uh, rounding out uh, rounding out the, the top uh, five there uh, was uh, Renus VK, of the number 21 bit Nile car of Ed Carpenter racing uh, earlier on that uh, earlier Saturday, rather uh, power won the pole for both races uh, to move him just one shy of Mario, Mario Andretti's record of 67 poles a uh, quote from, uh, from uh, Pato award before the race on Saturday, I was pushing, pushing Joseph there at the end and we didn't quite have it. Uh, we kept making the car better and better each stint, uh, there at the end, I think we took a little too bit too took a little bit too much out of it uh, by getting Will and uh, allowing uh, Alex Pillow and uh, getting the lappers to try to catch the number two. Uh, also, uh, Scott Dixon, who if you remember last week uh, tied Mario Andretti for second on the all-time IndyCar wins list at 52, uh, he finished fifth in the number nine PCN Bank Chip Ganassi Racing Honda. Uh, Dixon was followed by six more Honda drivers, uh, including teammate and uh, a guy that uh, just can't quite uh, get his name out of the news, uh, Alex Pillow and Roman Grosjean of Andretti Auto Sports. Uh, The seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson, yes, Jimmy Johnson, uh, overcame an early spin to weave his way into into his first lead of the series and of his career, and then uh, consistently uh, was uh, running inside the top five. Uh, During his run, he made several bold passes in the high lane, which a lot of people, a lot of drivers, uh, were uh, were not biting on. Uh, including a nail-biting three-wide pass to pick off two other drivers. Uh, Johnson's longtime spotter uh, radioed during that pass, uh, quote, is this going to make the highlight reel? And the Ganassi crew asked Johnson uh, if he was enjoying the 250 laps around Iowa in 100-degree weather, and, and Johnson replied, Yes, this is a blast. So uh, let's get to some of the uh, drive. Well, before we do that, uh, we'll take the uh, we'll look at the rundown here, as you see up on your screen on Saturday. It was uh, Joseph Newgarden taking the taking the win, uh, followed by Pato Award, uh, Will Power, uh, Renus VK, Scott Dixon, Alex Pillow, Roman Grosjean. Uh, Marcus Erickson, Graham Rahal, Christian Lungard, he was the highest rookie in the uh, in, in 10th. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Callum Eilat, uh, Alexander Rossi, David Malukas, Kyle Kirkwood, uh, Elio Castroneves, Devlin DeFrancesco, Jack Harvey, Connor Daly, Dalton Kellett, uh, Takuma Sato, Scott McLaughlin, uh, Simon Pagano, Colton Herta, and finishing out in 25th, Ed Carpenter. So, uh, let's go to some of the uh, interviews uh, that we have uh, with some of these drivers after race number one in Iowa 
on Saturday. Uh, yeah, it was a long session. Cast started pretty good, and then honestly, we made a few changes uh, that, that didn't really work that well. Um, and we had a bit of a problem kind of mid session uh, on the engine side and some things that we had to try and figure out. But um, all in all, at the end, it seemed okay. Um, that kind of caught traffic on our last run. I think it would have put us maybe you know, fourth or fifth. So, car uh, feels okay. Feels good in the long runs. So we'll see what tomorrow brings. here at Iowa it was a very entertaining race to, to drive uh, the first 150 laps were amazing we went from P12 to P2 attacking for for the lead and the car felt amazing really really good then I don't know it was you know we went from one set of tires to another and suddenly the balance was completely different we had a lot of oversteer so uh, so that stint there in the middle we just struggled a lot with the balance and, and I couldn't really drive the way I wanted so Dropped a few positions and then I had a bad uh, uh, moment lapping a car and I got up in the grey and lost a few more positions. So that scene was really hurting us. Um, so I had to sort of recover from P10 there in the end and uh, managed to take a couple of spots, which is going to be important. Uh, you know, every point is important. But overall, a bit disappointed because I thought that, you know, at one point there we had the speed to fight for the win and to come home eighth is obviously not what you want then. But, uh, New day tomorrow, and the, the car is fast, so looking forward to that. Race one done. Race, race one done here. High Rock Vodka Machine. Um, really tough start to the race. First 100 laps were, were hell. Um, the car that we had yesterday didn't show up today for some reason, and we didn't even change anything, so why? You know, God only knows, but that's why we go racing, and... Uh, We've got tonight to improve a little bit. I mean, still to get a top nine, you know, P9 there feels good. Uh, but of course, you know, we, we thought and we felt like we'd be a competitor for the podium today. And considering how difficult it was to finish ninth, actually, I'm not too unhappy with. I know it's a struggle for everybody, but, you know, we find ourselves at the very back of the pack and worked our way on merit all the way back up through. So we'll take it, uh, focus on tomorrow, uh, get the High Rock Vodka machine further forward. Super happy with that. Super happy with that. Uh, P12 in the end, obviously, a very long and tiring race. Um, yeah, it was good. Good first half of the race. We kind of made made our way up into the top ten. Then I had a little, struggled a little bit in one of the stints um, to kind of get get the tire working. Uh, but yeah, that last stint we had good pace. Uh, just trying to hold on at the end with those tires. I think it was the same for everyone. Uh, but yeah, P12 from P22. So. Yeah, big thanks to the team. I didn't expect that. So, you know, the engineers working hard, 
um, to get the car right for qualifying and then impounded into the race. Uh, we have a little bit to look at because there's still a bit more time we can find, but yeah, really happy with that for my first short oval race. So thank you, everyone. We just finished race one here. We just completed the 250 laps and we ended up 14th at the end. Um, it was, uh, we struggled with the car very much on the first and second stint. It was kind of on ice skates and I was, uh, I was gripping onto the wheel so hard and just so focused that I didn't blink. My eyes were running of tears. Uh, there was snot coming out my nose. I didn't even drink any water. I was just so focused to make sure that I wasn't gonna spin out on the car. And we managed to survive those stints, ended up going yellow. Uh, the last stint was the longest of 70 to 80 laps. I wasn't sure where the car was going to end up going, so I ended up just taking it very easy. And then the last 10 laps I pushed, we managed to go from 18th, 19th, all the way to 14th. So it was really fun at the end to actually make some passes instead of lose all passes. But um, yeah, overall, I think it was a, a lot of lessons learned there for, for going for tomorrow. So we'll see how we do that. All right, so obviously it was a battle. Obviously, it was a battle out there. The heat, tires, combination of everything. Just tell us a little bit about it. You know, the automation series exam and um, Arctic World machine was actually pretty good in the beginning. We were able to make some great moves, but the tire degradation in our car was very difficult. This race, probably was, that I remember, was one of the toughest one I, uh, I drove. I felt like I was a little bit on the SRX <laughs> sideways, kind of a lot of times. So. Um, Little shout out to them because they helped me out, but uh, very, very difficult conditions on the last stint. We lost about four spots, five spots, because I was just honestly uh, hanging myself. I was able to not, I was just trying to bring it home. So it was a very uh, tough condition. Make some uh, notes for tomorrow's race and uh, we're going to continue it again. After the start, I went to the back walls. I mean, it was impossible, virtually impossible to, to hang on. And a massive atmosphere washed out, and then uh, exit the corner, just cars riding all over the place. And uh, it looked like we were going to have a long, long day. Um, but then uh, we had a, a little incident during the race, and uh, a bit sorry for Simon on that one, it was completely my fault. But anyway, we, uh, we damaged the cars to come back to the pit, and uh, we swapped the uh, whole assembly of the front wing and the backup wing, and then it was a night and day. The car gets much better balance, much more downforce to feel, and it will virtually one of the fastest cars on the entire last stint. So uh, it's a very strange feeling that how sh it should be in the end, but um, we need to figure out what was wrong in the primary wing. But anyway. Um, uh, so happy to be back in Iowa, of course, particularly in the George car. And then uh, tomorrow we're back on our usual uh, new tech and powerful car. And we're looking forward to it. And especially I'm starting from the pits tomorrow. So uh, looking all very positive. Again, huge thank you to all of the drivers uh, that we were uh, able to speak with. Uh, at uh, at Iowa after race number one. Uh, we'll take a look now at uh, the final results as you see up on your screen there uh, for race number two. And uh, race number two, uh, if you weren't able to uh, catch it on Sunday, uh, 
was a lot like race number one, uh, but nobody could predict the uh, the ending uh, that that we uh, we had on Sunday. Uh, Pato Award in his number five Errol McLaren SP Chevrolet uh, took full advantage of a late race misfortune uh, by Saturday's winner Joseph Newgarden to capture his second win of the 2022. NTT IndyCar Series on Sunday in the Hy-Vee Salute to Farmers 300 uh, presented by Google at the Iowa Speedway. Award drove to a 4.2 second victory over Will Power in the number 12 Verizon Team Penske Chevrolet. Uh, Penske teammate Scott McLaughlin finished third in the number three Freightliner Team Penske Chevrolet, giving the Penske team two of the three top finishers a quote from award. We knew that we had a great car, so it was all about just capitalizing being there when it counted. The guys did a great job calling when we had to pit. It was very, very enjoyable. Uh, getting back to new garden. Uh, he dominated and led 148 of the 300 laps while trying to sweep the weekend. Uh, but unfortunately something on the team Penske number two, um, Chevrolet broke with 64 laps remaining and he uh, the back end spun out and he hit the outside wall. Uh, New Garden was visibly visibly rattled uh, after his mandatory check in the infield care center. Uh, we'll give you an update on that here uh, later in the show. Uh, later, he fell after the race ended and was airlifted to Mercy One Des Moines Medical Center for further evaluation for a possible head injury. Uh, getting back to award, uh, he actually made the pass for the win on a pit, on pit road uh, with a speedy stop by his Aero McLaren SP team and held off uh, Pinsky teammates Will Power and Scott McLaughlin uh, for the win. It's the second win of the season for the Mexican driver who finished second on Saturday and remains firmly in the NTT IndyCar Series title race with just five races remaining. Awards win was also halted, also halted rather, uh, Team Penske's dominance on the .894 mile oval uh, where Roger Penske's drivers had won six of the last seven races prior to Sunday. Uh, Six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon uh, finished fourth in the number nine PCN or PNC rather, uh, Bank Chip Ganassi Racing Honda, and was followed by teammate and seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, who raced hard with Indianapolis 500 winner and current series points leader uh, Marcus Erickson to earn his best finish through two seasons of the IndyCar Racing Series in the number 48 American Legion Honda. Uh, Erickson, who is also obviously a Ganassi driver, uh, finished six in the number eight Husky Chocolate chocolate chip Honda and New Garden's crash helped the Swede re retain the lead in the NTT IndyCar Series standings, uh, making Johnson's aggressive racing a bit more nerve-wracking for the Ganassi camp. Uh, also, too, it was another podium finish for Chevrolet, who did it on Saturday with New Garden Award and Power as well. Uh, another quote uh, from Award here, uh, hopefully we can win a couple more. That would be fantastic. We had a good year, but we've dumped two races in the past couple months. So it's definitely been a frustrating but rewarding few weeks. This is a perf this is the perfect momentum that we needed. Uh, despite New Garden uh, scoring points on Saturday, 
and uh, his crash on Sunday dropped him to uh, third in the uh, current uh, standings, which we'll uh, get to here uh, momentarily. Uh, a couple quotes, our quote here from New Garden, uh, quote, it was a bit of a shock, New Garden said. Man, I just want to cry. I'm so sad for my team. I don't know what happened. It was a good run. I feel terrible for us. I don't know. Uh, something went wrong there. Uh, after New Garden's unexpected exit from the race, Award took the lead for good. The victory was secured when Award... Uh, Power and the rest of the lead lap drivers entered pit road for the final pit stop on lap 239. Award won the race off pit road and then uh, definitely navigated through lap traffic over the closing 60 laps. Uh, Quote, the number five Aero McLaren SP guys in the pits were awesome, Award said. That's what gave us our win. Obviously, I did my job in the car to keep her safe and maintain. I knew we had the pace. It was just tough whenever you had to go through traffic. The guys in the front of me are handling it a different way than you do. It's just different every lap. Uh, Power, willpower, that is, uh, led 80 laps, uh, second only, obviously, to his teammates, uh, Joseph Newgarden's 148. Uh, Pato Award led 66 laps, and the average miles per hour in the race was 140.681, which just had two caution periods for 25 laps. Award will split a $10,000 winning check with his team and a charity of his choice, uh, obviously for his victory as part of the People Ready Force for Good Challenge. And and this weekend, uh, we'll we'll preview here upcoming. uh, A busy July continues for the NTT IndyCar Series with the Gallagher Grand Prix on Sunday, July 30th at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. It's going to be the fourth race in just three weeks. And keep in mind, live coverage starts at noon Eastern time on NBC and the IndyCar Radio Network. So uh, looking at the uh, the standings there uh, from the second race on Sunday, it was Pato Award, uh, Will Power, Scott McLaughlin, Scott Dixon, Jimmy Johnson, Marcus Erickson, Felix Rosenquist, uh, the highest uh, finishing rookie on Sunday, David Malukas, uh, Roman Grosjean, Takuma Sato, Callum Eilat, uh, Colton Herta, Alex Pillow, Graham Rahal, Delvin DeFrancesca, Connor Daly, Ed Carpenter, Alexander Rossi, Renus VK, Jack Harvey, Elio Castroneves, Dalton Kellett, Simon Pagino, uh, Joseph Newgarden, Kyle Kirkwood, and rounding out the field in number in P26 was Christian Lungard. So uh, let's get to some of the drivers and their comments uh, on uh, the race on Sunday, and then we'll come back and we will get into our interview with Jack Benyon from the race. Uh, decent day for points for sure, uh, only 35 or so out, uh, which is nice. Definitely some good racing there. Our car again on the long one was uh, was really good. Kind of needed those uh, runs, especially at the end, to kind of go the full 80 or 90 laps, which would have really helped us, I think. But uh, kudos to the team. Uh, nine car, or well, the Bank car was fastest again on pit road, which is, which is big, and that definitely helped us. Bummer on the last restart, just bottoming too much. I couldn't uh, couldn't fend off uh, the three car, but uh, all in all, good uh, points weekend for us and great running from, from Jimmy, the, actually the whole crew, uh, which is great to see. That's what we do. We're con- That's what we do. We're consistent. We're always in the top ten. And this year, a bit better than top ten, you know, top six and, and top 
sevens and whatever. So close got on five today, but Jimmy was uh, was a bit too fast for me there at the end. I could really hold him up. He, he drove really well. And, but overall, you know, I've been coming here. We knew this was probably our weakest track on the calendar, and a double header as well. So come away with a six and an eight, and feeling the championship lead. I think that is uh, very positive. All right, we just finished race two there, and wow, I wasn't really a big fan of Iowa before today, but now I am a massive fan. What a joy of a race that was. Today's race, although 300 laps, it felt much shorter than yesterday's. I mean, just every lap was either a pass or setting up for a pass. Uh, it was, I mean, just chaos from, from start to finish, and we just kept working up. The only people that passed us were the McLarens and Penske's. Congratulations to them. They were on rails. I don't know what they've done with their cars, but other than that, nobody else could pass us. We were the ones going forward. Um, unfortunately, through pit stops was, you know, a lot of chaos. We ended up losing a couple of positions and we'd have to make up for it in the race. Um, and then we had an amazing battle with the, my teammates Sukuma at the end there. Um, neither of us made it easy. And, uh, you know, in, in the end, you know, I won that little battle. Uh, but it was a lot of fun and he pushed me to the end. So thank you to, to Iowa. Thank you to Hybe for everything. What an amazing race this was. I will see you guys at Indy. Um, Iowa second race. Um we started second though, which was a lot better. And then um, at the first part of the race, uh, we basically uh, followed the readers and uh, basically left the, um, the pack behind it, which was good. So running on a top five all the time. And then we tried to, of course, this is a 300 race, so we had to try to stretch the uh, window. Uh, we knew undercut is, uh, is a faster. Uh, and then the yellow basically to reset the position. So undercut is, is definitely working, but if you do that, you will be sacrificed on the last stint for the fuel. Um, so that's why we stick on our plan. And then uh, we were basically the last person to dive in pit. Um, and then we're working under the fuel for the, for the last stint. And I was about to um, just, we can make it where I think... Uh, I'm confident that all the people have to come to the uh, splash of fuel. So, in the end, yellow came out and then didn't work in that way. At that point, because of the uh, save the fuel, we lost a bunch of the position. And then, uh, when, it, when it happened for the sprint race of the final skin, I used them up with so much tires and to, to make it bad. So, uh, it's a shame that uh, we finished in top 10, but starting P4 to finish in top 10 is not great. But I guess uh, we just head down and do the job, and hopefully, uh, Indy GP is a better one. Guys, race two. Guys, race two down here in Iowa. Um, it was a tough day for us for the number ten Richland car. Just a shame with a good day we had yesterday. Um, just we were missing a lot of pace. Um, so yeah, we'll sit down and, and check what was it, uh, where we were missing. But anyway, we tried our best today and we'll regroup and get ready for Indy Road Course. Really sad weekend for us with uh, really um, bad performance, um, and then we had uh, some issues. Um, like today, we, we had a radio issue, so unfortunately, we had to pit, and that just put us out of the race. We took the rest of the race as uh, tuning, tuning for uh, understanding how to get better on these kind of tracks. Uh, but certainly, um, a bit of a shame in terms of points. However, everybody, uh, everybody worked hard. Everybody tried to uh, figure out what's going on, and. That's the spirit of the team. We uh, we keep pushing forward. We're gonna come back. We're gonna get better. We're gonna understand, and uh, and it will pay off. So uh, we'll keep the spirit up, and we'll go to Indianapolis, one of my favorite places. Yeah, really sad weekend for us with uh, really uh, bad performance. Um, 
and then we had uh, some issues. Um, like today, we, we had a radio issue, so unfortunately, we had to pit, and that just put us out of the race. We took the rest of the race as uh, tuning, tuning for uh, understanding how to get better on these kind of tracks. Uh, but certainly, um, a bit of a shame in terms of points. However, everybody, uh, everybody worked hard. Everybody tried to uh, figure out what's going on, and that's the spirit of the team. We uh, we keep pushing forward. We're going to come back. We're going to get better. We're going to understand, and uh, and it will pay off. So uh, we keep the spirit up, and we'll go to Indianapolis, one of my favorite places. Uh, again, as I uh, as I re reiterated earlier, a uh, huge thank you to all of the drivers uh, that we were able to uh, speak with after both Iowa races this weekend. Uh, now it's time to get to our interview portion of the show. And, and like I mentioned at the top of the show, huge uh, thank you first and foremost uh, for Jack Binion of the race uh, to uh, to join us to take a little bit of time out of his busy schedule uh, this weekend here in Indianapolis uh, to uh, set aside some time to join us. So let's get to that interview and then we will be back. And I have the absolute pleasure now to be uh, joined uh, here for the next few minutes or so uh, editor over at uh, the race and then a podcast that uh, he doesn't know this, but I frequently listen to over on uh, Spotify, uh, the race, the IndyCar podcast as well. Uh, host of that, uh, Jack Binion is uh, going to stop by here for a few minutes to uh, join us. Uh, Jack, again, uh, first and foremost, like I said, a huge thank you for taking uh, some time out of your uh, busy schedule, I'm sure, covering uh, this season. But uh, uh, for everyone that uh, doesn't uh, know you, and it's a shame that they don't and they don't follow you on social media yet, uh, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, the pleasure is all mine to start with. Thank you so much for, for having me on. It's always great to to speak to like-minded people who love IndyCar. I'm a big fan of the championship and yeah, it's really enjoyable to, to cover from a, a race to race basis. So really enjoying my time here in IndyCar. Um, a little bit about, about myself. I'm, I'm obviously, as you can probably tell from my accent from, from England and the UK, um, got the chance to work with the, the race on covering IndyCar since the race started uh, just at the beginning of the pandemic there. So um, since basically February uh, or, or March, 2020. So, yeah, it's been great. I've loved every minute of it. I'm learning, still learning every day, every minute, meeting new people and getting to hear some more of the the stories behind the scenes. But yeah, fundamentally, I just really enjoy my, my time covering the series here. Yeah, I, I've seen you uh, a few times, believe it or not. Uh, this is my second year covering this. So I, I've been a fan in, in the shadows a little bit, but been a fan of you and the uh, absolute amazing work that you put in over at uh, at the race. But before we get into this uh, silly season and what a silly season that we've had and an interesting turn uh, in that uh, silly season, and we'll get to that here momentarily, but what, uh, what piqued your interest, uh, Jack, to uh, not only get into journalism, uh, but the racing aspect of journalism? Well, my family have been involved in in motorsport for a long time. My my grandfather was the the foreman at a Ford garage in in Chester near to where I live in the UK, and that just happened to be where the Ford Rally Team used to service their cars. You know, at the 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 Wales Rally GB or, or Rally RAC, or it's had many names over the years, but the uh, the British round of the World Rally Championship. So my my family always been close to to rally cars, and then I, I guess the American connection came. Uh, when I was really young, uh, obviously 
you know, young kids like to to stay up past their bedtime. And, and for me, the excuse to do that was always to watch NASCAR. And with it being in the UK, obviously the time zone difference, you know, we'd have to stay up quite late in the UK to watch some of the some of the night races. But my my memories go back to you know races like Atlanta with uh, Jeff Gordon, kind of under the lights. Uh, you know, I kind of envisioned the the rainbow paint scheme kind of flickering under the lights at, at places like uh, Atlanta in, in the nighttime, and that was a that's a really sort of um, you know a memory that I can almost feel. Uh, going back to you know like you're transported back into your into your past into your to your childhood so yeah NASCAR opened the door to to American racing for me and then yeah obviously the uh, the the kind of the, the beautiful paint scheme of the Ganassi cars back then really caught my eye as well and with people like Alex Anardi and, and Juan Pablo Montoya competing it was never too difficult to to get excited about the the championship at that time and since then really enjoyed going back and and learning a lot more about that era of the of the championship that I that I kind of lived through but wasn't really kind of there for as such a, a young fan so yeah that'd be the the kind of the whistle stop tour and then journalism wise I, I always wanted to compete in in motorsport that was always you know what I wanted to do but like many people kind of found out that I didn't have the money to do that quite quickly and <laughs> looked for a different way and so uh journal I love writing I love reading as a as a kid so you know getting into the journalism aspect of things was was an obvious choice for me and uh yeah I've been blessed to to work for some some really amazing brands and to work with some really amazing people who've really helped me come on and uh, and to work on my style and, and my writing and my ability to you know to cover a championship and and, and get those stories that that every journalist kind of wants to get so yeah that's uh that's the whistle stop tour I guess you know that's an interesting story because being over here in the United States when you think of of NASCAR and I don't want to paint the wrong picture here but you know people think of, of rednecks or hillbillies that follow NASCAR and and that's how you got your start uh, obviously as you said being sounds like growing up a huge uh, Jeff Gordon fan so you know when people think of NASCAR you know they think of uh, rednecks and and people of that nature but uh, interesting how that uh, influenced uh, influenced you across the pond there yeah well you know I, I give Jeff a lot of credit along with Dale Earnhardt for opening those doors to to a different crowd a different you know crop of of people and you know I think you know NASCAR was doing all right for itself even at the time but you know I think Dale Earnhardt doesn't really get the credit you know from from a lot of people for for what he did for the business side of NASCAR from behind the scenes and you know I, I know from speaking to Jeff quite a few times now that you know Dale was a big influence on him in terms of how to present his brand and how to get his business together and, and how to manage that side of things and and that obviously ushered in a new a new era of NASCAR for the the kind of commercial side and, and Jeff was on you know your your cereal boxes, your your Christmas decorations. You know basically anything you have around your house. You know Jeff was was on it and available. So that was a, a great time for NASCAR and and to see him on you know things like Letterman. You know being really thrown at the people. You know you couldn't. I guess you couldn't move without seeing Jeff Gordon in that kind of late nineties period. And you know a lot of that harks back to to Dale behind the scenes, kind of advising Jeff and, and teaching him about the aspects of the business and, and stuff like that. So really interesting transitionary period in that in that 90s decade for, for NASCAR and, and one that I've really enjoyed going back and reading more about since. And, you know, obviously not lucky enough to to meet Dale, but, you know, I can I can feel from when you speak to Jeff, you know, how much of an impact he had behind the scenes, even though they had the, the kind of outward, you know, rivalry that everybody else saw. You know, there was definitely a, a huge amount of respect in the background there. 
Yeah, you, you bring up a great point talking about, uh, you know, endorsements and things of that nature. I can remember uh, growing up and I'm probably a little slightly older uh, than you that when you think about, you know, NASCAR merchandise, it was, you know, you had a selected set of drivers and, and the two you just mentioned there were the top two uh, sales. It seemed like year in and year out with uh, Dale Earnhardt and, and Jeff Gordon. And I think you're absolutely right that. Uh, you know, the late uh, Dale Earnhardt doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for what he did for NASCAR, as you mentioned, not only on the track, obviously, uh, but in the uh, the background, as, as you were talking about there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think even now, probably Dale and, and Jeff's merchandise are up there with the, the best selling. So uh, that's no surprise. And that's just, uh, you know, that just reflects, you know, on kind of what they've achieved and, and what they've built. And it's great to see Jeff now. I guess for a few years, maybe being a little bit outside of things or, or not being in the public eye quite as much, but now coming back into that with his with his new role. And, you know, it's really nice to see him around speaking again regularly and, and playing a big part in, in what Hendrick Motorsports is doing, you know, looking at the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as, as you mentioned, you know, young NASCAR driver, and then you, you transitioned, it sounds like to uh, IndyCar, obviously following the uh, the Ganassi team there with the old uh, Kmart uh, paint scheme, I think is what you were uh, referring to. Target, there. definitely Target. Target. That's right, Target. See, I, yeah. Uh, so you, you transitioned to uh, IndyCar, and that's got to be a whole different world for you coming from uh, NASCAR to, uh, to IndyCar. Well, uh, yeah, I guess for any person coming from Europe, you know, you'll hear the, you'll hear the driver's, that have come from Europe and and more like international championships uh, talk about this a lot, but the, the atmosphere is different and the 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 way things are done in uh, American motorsports paddocks are, are a lot different to, to how they are in Europe. And as much as there's a cadence to it for a, a driver, there's a cadence to it for a journalist as well. And you know, coming to this, you know, this is my uh, I guess my third season now, but still, you know, learning, meeting people, figuring out how this paddock works and how to go about doing things is there's always an etiquette to journalism when you're dealing with the PR and, and, and different team uh, personnel and stuff like that. So still, you know, I'm still learning every day and absolutely loving that experience. It's, it's really interesting to see how the, the paddocks work differently. And uh, I guess there's, um, you know, I, I don't like when people say that the American paddocks are more laid back because I think that implies a level of, um, you know, not unprofessionalism, but just a level of, you know, people maybe not caring as much. And that's definitely not the case. And I really dislike it when people, you know, refer to it in that way. But there's definitely a, you know, different atmosphere, just a, a different way of doing things. And the schedules are different. And, the, you know, the way the drivers are treated by the teams and the media is different. So it's really been a, yeah, a big learning experience and, you know, as enjoyable um, as it was to work in, uh, you know, around Europe and, and internationally, it's been just as enjoyable here in here in the States as well. And um, they're, they're two very different sort of kettles of fish, but two very enjoyable working atmospheres to be in. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean uh, when you talk about, you know, learning your way around the uh, paddock and the way things are done. As I mentioned, me being in my second year, so I definitely know exactly the, the uh, you know, the things there that uh, that you touched on, uh, talking about covering IndyCar, getting around the paddock, professionalism, and, and things of that nature. Well, that leads us up to this season, and, and what a crazy season, Jack, uh, we have had so far. I know you had the opportunity uh, last weekend to uh, cover IndyCar in Iowa. Uh, they have been back there for two years. Uh, before we talk about and recap both uh, the uh, doubleheader this weekend, I want to know, it seemed like the atmosphere and, and the the excitement that that Hyvie brought 
to uh, the Iowa Speedway this weekend was immeasurable. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience there, what the what, what you've seen on the ground there, uh, how the fans reacted to having IndyCar back in Iowa, and, and things of that nature. Well, first of all, it's just incredible to cover a, a short track oval race in, in IndyCar. The the speed of the cars is absolutely spectacular and such a, you know, you look at the oval and you think, you know, there's no way they can do like a, a you know, such a, a rapid time over such a short lap. It's just absolutely incredible, and especially Iowa, because it's got these, you know, it's bumpy, there's different lines. It's not like, you know, some of the trouble that IndyCar has had at like Texas or Gateway in recent years where the, the racing has not been maybe as, you know, side by side as they've they've probably wanted. And you come to Iowa and, you know, Jimmy Johnson's running three different lines and, uh, you know, he's up almost uh almost hugging the wall at some at some times and yeah just a, a really cool experience just fundamentally to start with just to to see cars go that quickly around such a short oval is absolutely spectacular and yeah as you mentioned you know i think it was really well covered on the on the tv broadcast so you know I won't recap too many of the the obvious but um yeah hyvie obviously treating this as a a branding you know pr exercise to to increase the the knowledge of their kind of midwestern you know, supermarket brand and did a really great job of just doing, you know, I spoke about this with, um, you know, on, on my own podcast about how Hyvie were coming to this for the first time. And it's it's very rare to see a company or a group that doesn't necessarily have so much motorsport experience, just nail everything so well, first time out, you know, and that's definitely what they did. I know they have a lot of help from from the likes of Ray Hall and, and, and Penske as well um, in putting this event together, but it was still spectacular to see what a great job they did uh, first time around. They had all of the the kind of volunteers at the event pretty much were, were Hyvie employees, which, you know, it's a it's an employee-owned company, so they, they've got an investment, but it was still great to see them taking time out of their busy schedules or, or their weekend where they're probably, you know, off work or, or doing different things for them to come to the track and, and help out. They were all really polite and really cool to talk to, and, and that was great. Um, and obviously they had the the high V kind of port cabin stores where you could go and you know buy just general stuff that you needed if you were camping over the weekend which i'm sure at somewhere like road america that would be uh you know even more popular than it was at, at iowa but it was um great to see all these kind of schemes they were rolling out all the money that they put into the speedway you know heard some eye water in numbers as to you know how much money they've actually you know pumped into the place and yeah it's um you know it's it's a it's a feeling you get when you walk through the the gates there that something cool's happening there and it feels like you know there's there's some momentum building there and, and something really cool so that was great to see yeah you're absolutely right and like i said i was i didn't get the opportunity to go to iowa but just you know listening uh on the radio broadcast the tv call and then on social media uh you, you're absolutely right hyvie put a lot of time and effort into this and not only was i glad to see this go off without a hitch um, you know, the unfortunate accident that, that new garden had on Sunday, which we'll talk about. Um, but I was glad to see that, uh, you know, all of the IndyCar drivers that haven't been on this Iowa course, absolutely loved it. And I was glad to see that, uh, this is going to be back. It sounds like, uh, for the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think when you go back to Toronto as well, just to bring that into the equation, we saw 13 drivers going there for the first time, having not competed there before, because it was also two years since we'd, we'd raced there due to the, the, the effects of the pandemic. And, or, you know, we had, I think, five rookies in the top 12 in qualifying in, in Toronto, which is, you know, absolutely spectacular. And again, in Iowa, so great to see so many of the rookies taken to this track so quickly. I think that's a sign of, you know, how good this rookie crop is. I think 
we we constantly talk year on year about how strong the IndyCar series is, and perhaps the kind of adverse effect that's maybe had on on the likes of the rookie battle is that the the rookies are generally so far down the championship order just because the field is so stacked and it's such a high quality field. It's really unusual that a rookie's going to you know come in and be tenth in the championship you know halfway through the season. We're just probably not going to see that for a long time just because of how strong the championship is and how detail oriented these teams are in in you know extracting the maximum from these cars so um maybe Iowa and Toronto are a great chance for fans to to look at that and see how well the rookies are doing maybe not so much you know when you look down the championship and you see people who are 18th 19th and 20th maybe rather than looking at that you can look at the you know the impact they've had in places like Iowa and Toronto where it's been so difficult for them to come for the first time and uh, you know, I don't think anyone needs to, you know, be told how how difficult places like Toronto and Iowa are from a challenge point of view for these for these drivers and for the rookies to do so well first time out there. I think that's a really good way to to look and evaluate them, uh, maybe in a, a more kind of focused environment as opposed to just looking at the the points for the whole season. Yeah, you you bring up you bring up uh, the rookie crop uh, this year uh, this season, and uh, that's been a huge topic. With uh, it seems like every episode, how great uh, those rookies get uh, week after week. Um, especially you have the um, the Callum Ilots, who he's he's a one car team, and what he has done, the success that he has had with just that one car is is immeasurable. Um, uh, David Malukas is, is another one. I know he, you know, he has another car with uh, with Takuma Sato, but uh, the success Malukas has had this year, and then uh, you know you can't leave out uh, Christian Lundgaard as well. So you're absolutely right. This rookie class is is quite impressive, and you know the rumblings, and you've heard these, I'm sure. There could be some rookies on the move next year to uh, to another car in their second year. Definitely going to be something, I think, to keep uh, worth watching. But to recap Iowa, first we'll start with the race on Saturday. And, and a lot of teams had challenges at the Iowa Speedway. But there's one team in particular that just can come in here and just absolutely dominate. And, and that's Team Pinsky, as we've seen on Saturday with uh, Joseph Newgarden and the dominance uh, that uh, that he had the only thing look like I could have stopped him on Saturday uh, was the heat. But other than that, there wasn't anybody else on that track uh, that I think could touch uh, the number two car on Saturday. No, absolutely not. And the I guess the proof of how far he and Pato Award were ahead of the field was the the kind of twenty seconds that they pulled in that final stint on over the rest of the field. Which you know I saw some people kind of playing that down that you know the that Joseph was lapping up to say like the top ten. Um, uh, people you know playing that down because the track's so short but for me that was still just as impressive like you've still got to lap all those cars like it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me the the length of the track I think it's still you know super impressive what he was able to do and I think it just shows you know we know how much data these teams have these days and how much they can you know look at their teammates and see um, exactly what they're doing over the course of a weekend um, how they're driving the car and even with that you know Will Powers had years of that now and even Scotty McLaughlin, we've seen how quickly he can adapt and, and how quickly he can, you know, nail these tracks when when he gets in a, a good groove. And even then, they, you know, those guys couldn't match Joseph Newgard. And it, that, to me, that just shows how, you know, what a special talent he is at Iowa. We don't see drivers running away with races, you know, quite as much as, as well. I don't think we see that anywhere else other than Iowa with Joseph Newgard. And to be quite honest with you, it's year on year, everyone knows he's going to be, you know, right there at the front. And I, I think the key to that is, 
he's very um he's very sensible when he's moving around in traffic he doesn't commit to corners too early and is able to move around he's never really you never see him committed to one line he's quite often moving around the track and and finding the you know the the, the perfect amount of grip for him and his car setup at that time and, and where he is in the stint and also he's obviously very good on the tires so um yeah i just think it's incredible what he's able to do even though his teammates know exactly what he's doing they can see his data and you know they could have gone and looked back overnight, of, you know, after the Saturday race and, and looked at what he was doing through the race. And then, you know, they're still not able to to really do that themselves on the on the Sunday, which, you know, when you're talking about people like Will Power and Scott McLaughlin, you know, I don't think anyone needs to be told how good those guys are. And if they can't match Joseph at Iowa, I don't know who you can. You know, it's a, an absolutely incredible performance. And, and props to Penske as well for putting, you know, that programme together. And I think it was clear from the, from the test, the 20-car test that they had at Iowa not long before the the actual race itself that Penske were, were quite a level ahead. And I think the other teams had, had kind of uh, maybe, maybe they wouldn't admit that they'd surrendered at that point, but I think they knew that Penske were going to be very difficult to beat. Yeah. Penske absolutely was, but not only was, was uh, Penske hard to beat on Saturday, uh, taking uh, two of the top five spots, but Chevrolet as a whole, they took, they, they sat the top five. I don't know if there was, you know, anything going around the paddock there after Saturday, you know, the other Honda teams were looking around at, at each other going, do we have anything uh, for Chevrolet? Because they dominated, absolutely dominated on Saturday, taking those top five positions. Yeah, that is true. Um, I think the, the, the lap itself is kind of like 50% on throttle. So um, I, I, when when it's like that, I tend not to read too much into the manufacturer battle. I think it's obvious that that Chevrolet have done a good job in in Iowa, but uh, I think as much as anything, you know, Penske and Aaron McLaren SP have clearly done a great job with their their car setup and and how their cars are performing. So I think maybe they they kind of slanted how that looked maybe a little bit on the on the Saturday. I think obviously you know Ganassi and Andretti. Um, they're the obviously the leading Honda teams, and they were both you know clearly struggling a little bit with with car setup and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I think it's um, you know it's always interesting to look at the manufacturer engine battle, isn't it? Um, but I, I'm not convinced that Chevrolet, you know, like like in some of the other races we've seen this season, I'm not entirely sure that Chevrolet turned up with you know some sort of super package for this weekend. They've obviously done a great job and, and props to them, but I think it might have been more the the teams on on, on that level. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, uh, Jack, especially with teams when it comes to uh, Team Pinsky, as we mentioned. Now, moving to Sunday, uh, what absolute heartbreak, I think, for, for Joseph Newgarden uh, going into the race. I think all of us had an idea as to, you know, from that previous race, who was going to be good, uh, who wasn't. You know, we knew what to look for. Uh, going into Sunday and Joseph Newgarden again uh, had the had the dominant car, um, but uh, just something late in the race. It sounds like may have broken in the motor. I don't know if you can elaborate a little bit more on that, but uh, who's there to uh, pick up the uh, pieces? None other than, as you mentioned, uh, Pato Award, who puts himself right back in the championship hunt uh, after uh, picking up this win at uh, at Iowa on Sunday. Yeah, I think I saw Marshall Pruitt had done a, an interview with uh, Tim Sindrick, the president of, of Penske, and uh, Tim had said that it was a, a right rear shock potentially that had that had broken, but they still weren't 100% clear on, on what had happened. So that was a, a big part of, of obviously the, the crash. And yeah, Pato, I mean, you know, it's it's so difficult to, to look at the championship and see how many points Pato's lost through things that are, are out of his control. And there's a good chance he'd be you know, right up there with uh, with Marcus Ericsson in the championship if he hadn't have had those those failures. So, yeah, really, 
kind of disappointing to see where the championship's at with with Pato kind of, you know, much further behind than he probably should be based on his his pace and his own, you know, individual, you know, performance over the first half of the season. So that's a, a big disappointment, but it does set up the story that he's going to be, you know, coming back over the second half of the season and, and trying to work his way back into contention properly. And he you know, obviously had a, an amazing Iowa weekend. And, you know, I think it's really important to point out that he, he, incorrectly has this reputation of being a really aggressive driver who's hard on his equipment and stuff like that whereas I think last year a lot of that was just how the car needed to be driven to go fast you know the the setups that our McLaren SP had there and if you look at Iowa the the things you need to be you know quick at Iowa you need to be very patient in traffic you need to be able to move around the racetrack and you know be able to you know not commit to a corner and, and kind of hand the corner over to the person that you're passing you need to have some flexibility there to be able to, to to move around and also you need to be able to look after the tires long into a stint and you only have to look at the results from the weekend pato second and first that tells you exactly what kind of driver he is he's a driver who gets stuff done and it doesn't matter whether he needs to be aggressive with the car or whether he needs to you know be a bit more gentle with the car and, and look after it and, and kind of just stroke it home he's He's a driver who can do all of that. So really impressive. And I'm happy for Pato that he gets to have races like that where he can show his real you know, ability, what he, what he's really about, because I think he gets a, a bit of a bum rap sometimes from people who maybe don't necessarily understand exactly how he drives or, or what's going on when he's competing. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I am a huge uh, Pato Award fan, and I think uh, Zach Brown and company uh, have definitely hit a home run uh, getting him in his stable and then giving him the contract extension uh, that he did uh, this past May. I think somebody else that had a great weekend outside of uh, Pato Award I think had to be Jimmy Johnson, especially his uh, his finish on Sunday, uh, putting that uh, number 48 car in the uh, in the top five. Yeah, I, I don't want to. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but my favourite Jimmy Johnson quote from the weekend was was him saying that he was glad there was no breaking zones, which is just fantastic, absolutely brilliant. I, I love that, you know, Jimmy's not changed uh, a bit since he's left NASCAR and come to IndyCar, and you know, there's not a there's not a selfish or egotistical bone in that man's body. Like he is one of the nicest guys to deal with. You know, he's obviously the most famous and. Um, you know, well sought after drivers in the in the IndyCar paddock at least, and he still gives you just as much time as as he as he would have done before, and as much as he possibly can. He's just a a stand up guy. He's any time you get to spend with him, no matter how short it is, is 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 absolutely brilliant, so enjoyable, and it's it's great to see. Um, you know, a driver who is nice and fast at the same time. You know, it doesn't have to uh, be this stereotype of. You know, all uh, fast racing drivers are horrible, or, or have a, a certain level of ego about them. There's, there's none of that in in Jimmy. Obviously, he's very competitive and wants to win, but yeah, um, can't um, can't praise him enough for how he is to work with from from the media side and and just from a performance point of view. You know, I think everyone's seen. Um, you know, the I think the media are quite obsessed with how he's got on since he's been in IndyCar and the results and and things like that. But he's there and he's happy and he's enjoying himself and. You know who is who are we to put him down for that? You know, he's um he's he said a few times he he told me just before Toronto that he feels like he's you know doing his learning in a in, a, in an elite series and that's you know that's how you've got to look at it like he's done no proper single seater stuff before and um it's it's very very difficult to come into a championship at the level of IndyCar and and excel and. You know, on the ovals, he's used some of his experience that he's that he's had from NASCAR, some of his you know smarts from from oval racing, and it's really served him well. And I think it's taken him a little bit of time still to 
to learn about how the IndyCar handles specifically on on an oval. It's not as simple as oh, Jimmy Johnson's you know done ovals in NASCAR. That means he's going to be a rapid IndyCar racer straight away. He's still learning about the car and and how it performs. But you know we saw in Iowa, he's um, you know he's not scared to move around. He's got still got amazing car control. We saw that in qualifying at the Indy 500 as well. Um, and we saw it a couple of times over the, the Iowa weekend. And there's people like Scott Dixon saying, maybe I need to move around the track a little bit more to to kind of emulate what Jimmy's doing. And when people like Scott Dixon are sitting up and taking notice, then, you know, that's a, that's always a good sign. So, yeah, great to see him just having a little bit of success and a little bit of noise to to kind of quieten the, the doubters um, over his, you know, less than exciting road course and, and street course form. But... I'm uh, I'm very positive about the whole thing. I'm I'm happy to see him in IndyCar. I think he does uh, a great job promoting the championship, and you know people should uh, give him that leeway of the fact that you know he was never going to come in and be a champion, and he was you know top tens or top fifteens were always going to be the the goal for him. And uh, I don't think he's I don't think he's out of that conversation for the future in terms of you know if he keeps learning and keeps adapting to this IndyCar and and, and keeps. You know, just getting better every week. Then I don't think uh, you know top fifteen is out of the question. But on the ovals, definitely I could see him winning a race. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He is uh, obviously you know learning on the fly, the the learning curve. And I asked him that on Sunday. You know what his maturation has been from NASCAR to uh, IndyCar. And um, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You know, top tens, top fifteens. That's all you can ask for. And, and I think he, I think you're absolutely right. By the end of this. Whenever he set, whenever he wants to call it a career in IndyCar, he's gonna get he's gonna get at least one, and I think he's he's on the doorstep of uh, of doing that for sure. Uh, after uh, the race on Sunday, there was a little bit of uh, concern uh, in the uh, Team Penske camp, specifically uh, Joseph Newgarden. Uh, sounds like a concussion like symptoms uh, went to uh, went to the hospital there in, in Iowa. Uh, anything source wise you can give us. Um, I, I know he was released from the hospital, but I don't think it's been uh, officially announced yet if he's going to be driving uh, this Sunday. I know uh, Santino Ferrucci is on uh, standby just in case. Uh, any, any more you can give update-wise with that? There's not a lot to update just because Joseph will be reevaluated on on Thursday morning. So it'll be Thursday morning by the time you know any of the IndyCar personnel have got to him and potentially cleared him or or not cleared him. So that was always the plan anyway, regardless of you know after the after the crash on Sunday, it was always the plan that IndyCar would reevaluate him on Thursday anyway, and then obviously he fell in the paddock and and had to go back to the infield care centre, and that's when he was taken by helicopter to the nearby hospital. Um, I know there was a lot of people worried about him being taken by helicopter, but that was purely just because of concert traffic and, and how far away the hospital was from the track. So just a sensible move there to, to get into the hospital quickly. And yeah. It... All right, we'll get back to the rest of our interview with uh, Jack uh, Binion here shortly. Uh, but joining us now uh, for the next few minutes, uh, as he always does uh, around this time, uh, Mike from uh, Bet uh, IndyCar. Uh, Mike, first and foremost, as always, uh, we welcome you to the show. Uh, we uh, thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule, uh, obviously, to uh, to join us. Uh, I know we only got a few minutes with you. Uh, first, let's hit on uh, the winners uh, that uh, you had uh, last week at the uh, double weekend uh, race in Iowa. Yeah, man, what's going on, Derek? Thanks for having me, man. As always, cool to talk to you. Love, love talking IndyCar, love talking IndyCar betting. Uh, last, 
last week Iowa uh, was one of the best weekends uh, I can I can remember uh, for IndyCar betting as far as uh, all the cons that we put out, all the winners we hit. Uh, we went in wanting to uh, to to bet Joseph uh, and pretty much laid four to one on him in that first race, uh, and uh, that was the easiest bet I think I've ever made. And and uh, and then you know got a little bit lucky on the second race. I decided not to bet Joseph on the second race. Um, just because, you know, I tell you guys all the time, you know, it's, sometimes it's about the number. The number was just too small. Uh, he was two or three to one. That's just too small for such a competitive uh, series when it comes to, you know, betting and, and betting IndyCar. So uh, I kept I, I didn't bet any winners at all because I did think he was still going to win. And it looked like he was going to win till, uh, you know, I think we're probably still not sure if something broke on the back of the car or, or he put it too low or whatnot. But um, ended up just betting all the top top threes. Uh, and top fives, and I uh, was able to nail the whole podium. Uh, had a Ward top three, had uh, Power top three, had McLaughlin top three. So uh, it was a great week. Uh, if you paid attention early, uh, when me and you spoke on our last podcast, we talked about that Chevy manufacturer bet. Uh, that hit twice, uh, and that number moved considerably. It started off as plus money, went all the way to minus 235. So somebody listened to us because uh, that number got bet and bet down big time. Uh, and a couple of the group bets that we highlighted uh, were also winners. So Iowa was a huge betting success. So uh, a good good weekend for, for for me and hopefully everybody that follow along. Yeah, it definitely sounds like uh, it, it was, and it seems like Mike. The last couple of weeks, uh, you've been on you've been on quite a roll, I think. And uh, I know obviously you're looking. At, oh, oh, okay, let's keep that under wraps. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, you know you're looking to uh, continue uh, the uh, you know. The winning your winning ways uh, this week at the uh, IMS road course on, on Saturday. Um, I know I talked with uh, Jack, and and you'll see this at the end. Um, it's kind of you know you got to kind of throw the book out uh, from the May race because the conditions obviously from the May race to Saturday are going to be totally uh, night and day. It looks like it's going to be about uh, eighty degrees and, and sunny. And if you remember back to the uh, to the race in May, depending on where you were sitting at, you were either sitting in, in sunshine or you're sitting in rain. So this might be another tough, uh, tough week for you. Well, don't throw everything out. So uh, throw the race out. I agree. Uh, as far as a handicapping perspective, uh, don't care what happened in the race. The race was a total, the, the rain, the rain tires, Colton Herta driving an Indy car like it was a drift car. Uh, forget it. Uh, don't worry about any of that. However, there was some, you know, there is good information in the practice and the qualifying. Uh, and that's what basically I'm going to be basing most of my handicapping on and most of my bets. Um, and I knew just like uh, uh, I remember back to that race, I had a very nice bet um, pre-qualifying on Mr. Will Power, and he grabbed the pole in that race. And I felt really great going into that race. And then uh, the heavens opened up, whether you want to call it the gambling gods or another god and they they ruined my bet and uh and then you know like i said all hell broke loose and, and colton colton was able to uh take the slicks in the wet wet track so throw the race out keep an eye uh but the qualifying and the practice numbers i think are, are valuable especially the second practice when they're doing their qualifying runs because the name of the game is you know we want to get our bets in on the guys we think are going to qualify up top uh and then go from there 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, worth watching. I know uh, practice and qualifying is is tomorrow, so uh, be on the lookout for what uh, Mike has on Twitter uh, after that. Uh, I did see that uh, later, uh, earlier today, rather, uh, the uh, betting numbers uh, were put out. I know you've had a, co- a couple hours to uh, go through them, digest them. Uh, what? Who are some of the uh, standout drivers that uh, that you're looking at this week, and you know who are some of the sleepers, and who are you going to fade? Yeah, so it's it's weird this week. Um, I don't know. Hopefully the sports books aren't ignoring IndyCar uh, because of all of the NASCAR and truck stuff going on. But there's only one book that's put out numbers, and it's Caesars. Um, uh, awards the favorite uh, coming in at three and a half, four to one. Um, but I, I think the new the the new guard situation is the reason that sports books hasn't put haven't put numbers out. Uh, it's still very weird. He's okay to practice, but not race just yet. Um, you know, so, uh, I think once he gets cleared after practice, I'm hoping the sports books will start releasing more numbers, but yeah, looking at the Caesars board and what Caesars released earlier, uh, I'm going right back to Will, uh, seven and a half to one. That's plenty of value for me. Uh, if he, if he's, in, if he hits the pole or qualifies top three, um, that number is going to drop to two to one, three to one for him to win the race. Uh, so you can put me right down for willpower at seven and a half to one. Um, that'll be my biggest bet going into qualifying tomorrow um if my sports book releases numbers i don't have caesars in my state unfortunately um i am in another state i need to look into that uh but uh uh after that uh, i moved down the board a bunch um i think there's some really good numbers out there um i believe it's 25 to 1 for vk uh that caught my eye immediately uh ray hall was 50 to 1 i like that rosenquist was 25 to 1 and grosjean was 18 to 1. all guys that have good history here and those are pretty good numbers uh, so power and then drop down uh, to those 25 to one numbers for VK um, and uh, Rosenquist. We're, we're kind of as, uh, as always, um, uh, Mike, we're in the same boat. One of my locks this week for fantasy is uh, willpower. Definitely putting a lock on him. And then uh, sleepers, you talked about uh, Pato Award. I have the, actually, I have the whole uh, McLaren team, if you want to say a whole two car team, uh, in as, as a sleeper. And then also, I slipped in uh, Renus VK as a sleeper as well. And then we touched on the situation, the fluent situation with, with Joseph Newgarden. And I, I don't care this week, I don't think. I'm, I'm, I'm fading him. I just don't. I don't know if I trust your. You know, as you said, we're, they, they're going to allow him to practice, but yet they're going to evaluate him after practice. Either he can go or he can't. I mean, there's two, there's no two ways around it. Look, for me, from from a betting perspective, um, at you know, I think he dropped at five or six to one, about that range. That's too short. It's about the number. Now, if if a sports book's going to tell me that they're going to give me Joseph at ten to one, fifteen to one, because He's hurt. Like I will, I'll bet the number. Um, and you know, based on what I know about the driver, regardless of what might be going on. Uh, so it's it's all about the number. It's all about you know what's available out there. You know, I kind of saw this. Is, it pains me. I was you know I've been talking about Faden Faden Pelo. He was eight and a half to one. Um, that's that's a pretty big number for him. That you know made me just kind of say him a little bit. Kind of think about that. Um, we'll see. Um, you know, if you said you've been to the Claren drivers, like you come, which ones there's, they're everywhere now. Uh, so that's interesting, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think, you know, we don't have a ton of time to bet. This is kind of a weird race weekend where we have practice. I, I doubt the sports books will take the numbers down after, uh, after between practice and qualifying, who knows, 
especially since they haven't posted the numbers yet. So this might be a race where we're just probably uh, hopefully getting some numbers early Saturday morning uh, and we're making our bets on Saturday after qualifying and see what those numbers are. Yeah, it's definitely going to be worth obviously uh, monitoring. And, and, and if people, uh, you know, don't follow you on, on Twitter, that's shame on them because uh, you've been, uh, you know, you've been raking in the dough as of uh, as of late. And talking about Alex Pillow, I'm fading him this week. I think there's just too much too much noise uh, going around Alex Pillow right now. But I am rooting for him to get one win uh, from now to the end of the year, just because Mike, I want to see that awkward victory handshake uh, between uh, him and uh, Chip Canassi. Either that or, or he puts it in the wall to piss Chip off. I don't know. One of the two. Uh, it, it is interesting. It's great. Look, I, like I told you before, as far as I'm concerned, there's no such thing as bad publicity when it comes to this stuff. This is great for IndyCar. You know, I want to grow the sport by, uh, you know, by, by pumping the gambling, the sports wagering, and, and that whole world. Um, but uh, this other stuff is great, too. And I'd love to be able to, you know, and, and, other, and you can bet on who's going to get Vettel's ride, speaking of uh, racing news today. So, uh, you know, I'd love to be able to, can you imagine me on the bet on silly season? Uh, I'd have to, you know, I'd be in your ear and Tony's ear like crazy trying to find which bets I can make for you guys that have your ears to the ground on that stuff. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, it's interesting stuff. It's again, it's about, you know, it's about the matchup. It's about the number. Like you want to give me a power versus Polo matchup then give me power all day. You want to give me Polo versus somebody who, you know, I'm not so enthused with. Um, maybe in the top of the board there, then then maybe I bet pull out. I don't know. It depends. It all it all depends on the value and and uh, you know what's what we see and what we hear. So yeah, we'll see. Pillow's probably still a fade. I'm still gonna look to probably fade him, and it would take a really high number for me to jump on him. He has one here before, um, but yeah, for for me, it's all all uh, I want to get back that power bet uh, that that the rain got me on before. So. Um, powers, powers the play, and then uh, I do like those twenty-five to ones on DK and Rosenquist. And look, if you want to go a long shot, long shot, the Rahal cars have uh, been fast here. Uh, Graham, Graham has done very well moving up the field, maybe a top five. If you see that offer in a top three on Rahal, uh, or some, you know, this race does have a lot of rookies that sometimes show up in the top five. You get some really big numbers on those guys. Uh, you know, maybe Kalen Ilot just you know coming off his contract extension. Uh, top five, top you know, top ten. If you see it for him, uh, it can be something out there that you can look to bet either. But uh, hopefully, we'll get some more uh, of a betting part here going forward, and hopefully, we get some. Uh, I'm assuming it's the New Garden news. We get some good definitive news on that. Sports folks will give us some numbers, then we can you know follow follow me on at any bet, follow uh, at burnout burnout bets and burnout sports, and uh, we'll get you all the information. We we did a Twitter Spaces today. It's out there. You can listen to. It was a brief one because uh, there wasn't many lines, but. Uh, you can also we'll probably jump on Saturday morning as well and talk talk about the race and what bets are out there. Yeah, you, you kind of beat me to that. I was I was curious to ask uh, if those you know final numbers do go out if and when we do get uh, the uh, Joseph Newgarden update after um, you know after qualifying or after practice. Uh, do you or Tony have another uh, spaces uh, planned? I know, like you said, this is kind of a wonky uh, start on Saturday, being at uh, around twelve thirty. Uh, so, can people expect another spaces between now and the start of the race? For sure. Yeah, as long as uh, there's numbers and cars to bet on, we'll, we'll do the spaces and we'll talk about what we're betting on, what we think we like and what we see. And we'll have a lot more information at that point. Information is what's what's uh, key in betting. And, and uh, we'll see if we can keep this hot streak alive. Uh, sh- don't tell nobody about that. But uh, Mike, again, a huge thank you for uh, for joining us. Uh, you know, your work that you put in is impeccable uh, and, uh, you know, uh, 
good luck to uh, your bets this week. Hopefully you can continue uh, to stay on that uh, money train uh, that you uh, continue, you and Tony and everybody driving. And uh, we'll talk next week, uh, Nashville. Awesome, man. Take care. Yep, thank you. That was Mike of IndyCar, our bet IndyCar. Go check him out. Uh, if you want to win some cash, uh, some 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 scratch, as uh, Dan Dockage likes to say, go check him out over on Twitter. All right, let's get back to our interview with uh, Jack Benyon. Uh, we'll come back after that. Uh, preview the Gallagher Grand Prix here at the IMS Road Course, and then we will get on out of here. Obviously, as you mentioned, and he was he was released and uh, very difficult one i mean you know i don't want to speculate about his condition or, or what happened uh, i think for context the only thing i'd say is obviously the that iowa weekend is one of the most demanding on the schedule it was multiple drivers having iv drips after after the saturday race to to get hydrated again ready for the sunday race and it was so hot uh, um it was it was really really hot especially in the cars obviously the drivers and overalls and, and with the aero screen there's not a lot of air circulating inside the car at all um and the other thing i would mention is that joseph just feels like he's under a lot of pressure right now to to deliver results for that team because you know they've they've clearly hit incredible peaks winning you know four races this season you know pretty much any other year over the past five four wins would have won in the championship but because he's been so inconsistent outside of those four race wins um you know he's he he was just about to take the lead of the championship had he stayed ahead and, and won that Iowa race. And, you know, we know how much pressure he puts on himself to to carry that team forward. And, and you know, he's searching for that third championship that he probably should have won um, before. And as, you know, for whatever reason has not, there's it has been some complicated seasons where, you know, arguably he's been the best driver in the series or at least, you know, performing to that level and not won the championship. So, yeah, I think I think there's a level of, um, you know, pressure that he puts on himself, and you saw that I think in his post-race uh, press conference when he was when he was released from the infield care center, talking about um, you know how this never happens at Penske, and um, you know how they can't afford for it to happen. So definitely a, a high-pressure situation in the heat of Iowa with the uh, you know dehydration and all that sort of stuff going on. So a really complicated weekend for all the drivers, not just Joseph. So um, yeah, we'll we'll. Keep a close eye on what goes on now. There'll be some some tests. The, the the drivers do some tests in the off season that give the the IndyCar medical team a, a baseline, so they'll be able to to retest him on Thursday and test his results against you know what he's given before. And um, they might. Um, I don't know if they're going to get him in the sim, but there's a there, that's normally a test that they'll do as well. They'll try and get the if there's time, they'll try and get the the driver and their engineer in in a sim and kind of evaluate how they're working together and. You know, the engineer can give feedback as to if the driver's, you know, kind of performing normally and giving good feedback and stuff like that. That might be something they they look to do on, on Thursday morning as well. I'm, I'm not sure if that's going to be part of the the kind of assessment process. But, yeah, we'll, we'll wait with, uh, with bated breath and hope that Joseph is, um, you know, first and foremost, healthy and, and fit and, and willing and able to, to race at the weekend because he's part of this, you know, really uh, interesting championship battle and, you know, anyone who wins four races deserves to be in the chance to to win the championship at the end of the season. So um, we hope that he'll be back racing. But if he isn't, Santino Ferrucci is on standby. Penske have loaned um, his seat from Dry and Ryan Ball Racing. And, and I believe Santino was able to get in the simulator on Monday as well because he was already heading to, to North Carolina anyway. So he was able to get in the Chevy sim there, I believe. So he'll be uh, as prepared as, as possible. But as we know with Santino, he doesn't need much preparation. He's he's usually pretty good at jumping in these things and uh, just nailing it straight away. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I believe he has done that, I think, twice this year, uh, come in basically off the bench as, as a pinch hitter, as they say in baseball, and has uh, turned in two quality uh, races, uh, if if memory serves me correctly. And uh, Joseph, hopefully, uh, you know, we wish you a quick recovery because uh, obviously you are in a uh, dogfight, as uh, Jack pointed out there. Uh, for the uh, points as we uh, dwindle down to just a handful of races uh, left. Speaking of races left this weekend, uh, you, along with me, and I think a whole bunch of other people are going to be uh, back at uh, IMS. It's been a few months since we were there uh, to cover the uh, uh, Grand Prix that's taking place on Saturday, IndyCar NASCAR event. Uh, I thought we'd it'd be all quiet uh, on the Western Front uh, Jack, but uh, this morning uh, we get up and uh, uh, see there is a court filing, a civil court filing uh, here in uh, Marion County uh, in Indianapolis uh, to do with two uh, certain individuals, uh, Chip Canassi Racing and uh, and Alex Pillow, uh Racing. Uh, anything, uh, you know, first indication uh, when, you, uh, when you caught wind of that and uh, anything that you can add to it? Not a whole lot of surprise, to be honest. Um, it, it felt like from from the beginning of this whole thing that there was going to be, you know, some sort of legal proceeding somewhere along the line. So, um, yeah, I guess that 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 bit was kind of expected. Uh, I guess because the a lot of the court files are protected, we don't know a whole lot about um, what exactly the court case is, even, um, which is a, a really interesting aspect of this. It's it's a bit annoying from a journalist's point of view because that's you know kind of a that's that's the story, right? What what is uh, what is Ganassi suing Alex Blow and his racing entity over? So um, those court files have been uh, protected, so we don't know about those. We do know about some of the the court files uh, that have been released. Um, a couple of Alex Blow's tweets and the, the McLaren press release announcing that Alex would drive for, for McLaren next year. So that's part of it. We know Ganassi want this sorted, uh, you know, potentially by the end of August. That's what they've asked for. Um, and we know that Alex gets between 20 and 23 days to, to reply to this, uh, yeah, this whole situation. So um, we know um, that's that's kind of what we know. We don't know a lot. We just know that this is, this is happening. And I think from a, bringing it back to an IndyCar standpoint, you know, uh, there's not many times in history um, where an IndyCar driver is driving for a team that is, you know, currently uh, in legal proceedings against them. So uh, not to mention a driver is trying to win them a championship, a, a second championship, trying to defend the championship. So absolutely baffling situation to try and get your head around really and try to, to understand. And, and to be honest, um, you know, even if we had those those court documents, we wouldn't be able to talk about them anyway. And and they're you know they're kind of behind closed doors at the minute. So we'll we'll watch that one with bated breath. It pro- it'll probably be the end of the proceedings where everything comes out where we'll find out you know exactly what's happened. But obviously it has massive implications. You know, it's my opinion that you know I, I feel like Ganassi um, you know are, are looking elsewhere for for next season as much as you know anything that I've read elsewhere. Um, you know, from sources in the paddock and and just my own kind of investigative work in in the paddock, it, it doesn't feel like Ganassi want to move on with with Alex Pillow next year. But again, that's just from paddock sources, and you know these things can change so quickly, as we've already seen with this story. Um, you know, one minute Alex was um, signing a contract extension with Ganassi and happy about it, and uh, a couple of hours later he was joining McLaren and uh, you know rejecting the fact that that quote came from him and and that you know that he hadn't extended his contract. So. Uh, yeah, things are going to move extremely quickly in this one. All we can do is um, kind of watch it unfold and and kind of try and work out what's going to happen with the with the ten car and also at McLaren. Um, 
because this has massive implications for whether Alex will drive for McLaren next year, obviously, as well. So, um, And in turn, Felix Rosenquist, who's also kind of sat on the sidelines at the moment, wondering where he's going to drive as well. So that's another reason why, you know, I think both teams both need to move quickly when it comes to the silly season and, and getting those, you know, two cars filled. So they'll, they're both... You know, motivated to get this sorted quickly. So, whether they can do that or not, as a, a process of the the, the court proceedings, we'll we'll wait and see. I, I just have this this funny feeling, Jack, that, that this isn't going to turn out well for for Alex Pillow. And I I have no inside information at this time, but I just have this feeling that he's going to end up, uh, unfortunately, on on the legal on the wrong side of the legal end of this. And he's going to have to sit out 2023. I just have this funny feeling that Chip's going to pay him just to sit in 2023. I think it's a it, it's a it's a huge loss all around. But you know that's the way I guess contracts are. Um, and I and I don't know if this was a you know a fraudulent mistake by the by the Alex Pelot camp not knowing that uh, Chip had this uh, team option in, in his contract. You know if, if that's the case. Man, somebody dropped the ball big time on the uh, the Alex Pillow side of things. It's difficult with contracts, obviously. Um, you know, we can speculate and think about some of the, you know, what we know from other drivers' contracts at both teams and, and try to, to kind of add two and two together. But ultimately, none of us have seen the, the contracts involved. So all, all you can do is speculate at this point, you know, what you think is, is happening. Um, you know, I think everyone, the, the problem with this may be, getting your head around this is the fact that everyone involved here seems um you know like really competent groups you know they're all experienced motorsport people or, or groups of people who you'd like to think have been through a million contractor negotiations before and have, have dealt with this kind of thing a million times over we, we especially know that people like zach brown and chip ganassi have so that's where this whole thing is so interesting it's interesting i guess is because um you know, I guess people assume that one side has, has got this really wrong and that one of them, you know, really hasn't understood what the, the other one's contract is. But this is where it's it's so totally difficult when it comes to contracts because you just don't know what's written into each contract. And, you know, either one of the team bosses might have woken up uh, the morning of presenting a contract to Alex Blow and added something in there or, or changed something compared to what other drivers have had before. You just don't know. And, you know, even looking back at some of the other, you know, Ganassi contracts, I know, you know, Scott Dixon's come out and said that a lot of them are similar and um, they kind of have the similar mechanisms in and, and stuff like that. But even then, you know, like I said, you know, the, the team bosses or the management groups could have negotiated terms that are different or, or had something inserted into a contract. So, um, yeah, I guess that's the the unusual part of this scenario is that we we kind of trust everyone involved to, to be really competent and, and great at their job. So, you know, thinking that one of them might have made a mistake here is uh, almost unimaginable. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see how this works out. I did ask Alex um, point blank whether he would be happy to, to sit on the sidelines next year and if that was something that he would be happy with in the context of with a, a longer term deal being in place and sorted, you know, would he would he take the the year off kind of lying down to, to have the longer term contract that he's looking for? And he said no. Um, he said nobody wants that. Um, nobody involved in... In, in his future wants him to be sat on the sideline in 2023 and he point blank said that that wouldn't be happening for him. so well all we can do is is take everyone at face value at this point and uh yeah like I said wait and see to to see what comes out of this I know that's a 
a fairly boring way to look at it in in one sense um you know it's much more exciting to speculate about all the the kind of juicy details of this but when it comes down to the fundamentals we because it's a contract and it's behind closed doors and, and no one has seen the contract even um you know mclaren won't have seen alex Pelot's ganassi contract because that's not you know that's a private contract held between team and driver that isn't you know that other teams aren't allowed to see so even that won't have happened so yeah you, you're, you're down a rabbit hole here of, of things that could be happening yeah, I, I think that's the you know that's the, ultimately that's the only approach that uh, we in the you know the journalistic side of us uh, can take, obviously. And this is definitely going to uh, uh, be worth watching to see how how this plays out. But uh, getting back to the the race this weekend, the the Gallagher Grand Prix, uh, give us a little bit of preview. Uh, what uh, what for people that are going out to the race or they're going to watch it on TV or listen to it on the radio? Uh, what uh, what should they be looking for, uh, Jack? Well, the absolute great thing about the second Indianapolis road course race of the season is you can pretty much throw everything you've learned from the first race of the season out of the window because amazingly, even though it's the same track, every time we go here for a second time later in the season, things are totally different. So if you're a fan and you're wondering whether to go and you're thinking we've already had a race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway earlier this season on the road course, throw that out the window and go because I guarantee it'll be different. Um, that's that's one thing that's for sure. Obviously, it's a great weekend in the sense that um, it's sharing with NASCAR. So if you're a, a fan of all motorsports and, and you're a NASCAR fan, you want to see some, some of well, I guess, see the new NASCAR in action and, and see some proper NASCAR road course racing action, then the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is the place to be this weekend. I think from an IndyCar point of view, it's really all bets off, to be honest. And um, obviously, the last race we had there as well, not, not just the fact that, the second race of the season is always different. The first race this season was wet. So <laughs> we, we, we basically have nothing to go off in the sense of uh, pace. So it's going to be great to see. We, we know the people like uh, like Will Power, Roman Grosjean, Venus VK always come to the fore um, for some for some outside bets for the second two there. Um, Will's obviously fighting for the championship and extremely motivated at the moment. Um, and Marcus Ericsson had an absolutely fantastic race in the wet here earlier in the season and obviously he's leading the championship so um yeah it's going to be a fantastic weekend and i don't mean to be a, a cop-out about it but genuinely uh, the, the kind of the form book kind of goes out the window for the second race and, and things are always different um year on year even never not to mention kind of the race earlier in the year as well so uh, i'm really looking forward to it i'm really looking forward to seeing how the teams approach this weekend i'm really looking forward to seeing the alex blow ganassi situation because that is going to be, you know, it was already, we thought, kind of turned up to 11 when this all happened to start with. And, you know, Alex was put in front of the media in, in Toronto. But now this has gone up another level because this is, you know, we've got litigation involved now and, and he's driving for them. So that's a, a whole other interesting uh, situation. And then we we talked about Pato Award earlier. Um, I think he'll desperately be looking for a, a strong result to kind of, um, you know, overcome those difficult races he's had in in recent weeks and kind of build on that Iowa momentum so that'll be really interesting to see as well and of course Colton Herter who went through a, a couple of races I seem to remember here at the start of his career where didn't quite have the place figured out or didn't get the results that that he really deserved here and then really uh, started to, to perform extremely well here and obviously got the win in the in the wet back in earlier in the season so he's another one who's kind of out of championship contention now I think but will uh, likely go on a, a run of races in the second half of the season here like he did uh, like he did last year some really strong tracks for him so he'll be looking forward to that and he's also 
got a gig in in Indianapolis on on Thursday playing with his band the Zips. So uh, and and fantastically their their gig poster features uh, uh, Colton Herter's upside down car from his crash at the at the Indy 500, which is some some great kind of self humor there and uh, a really cool way of interpreting that and uh, just. Um, you know, Colton's a great guy for that kind of thing, you know, maybe uh, having some fun with himself and um, to see that gig poster I thought was was really fun. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how he gets on this weekend as well. Yeah, you you absolutely hit on all of the, the storylines that I was uh, looking at, um, you know, from uh, is Santino Ferrucci going to have to jump in the number two car and, and come off the bench cold uh, again this weekend? And then, you know, if everybody's fantasy would play out, what kind of awkward handshake would it be or celebration if Alex Pillow was to find himself in victory lane? I think a lot of people are asking themselves uh, that as well. And then, uh, yeah, uh, the dom or not dominance, but uh, Colton Herta winning the race in the uh, in the spring in the month of May. And as you said, it was uh, you know kind of depending on where you were sitting at on, on the track because half the track was dry, half the track was wet. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You know, throw everything out the window that you learned back in May because uh, it looks like the weather on Saturday uh, could be uh, picturesque, uh, about the 80 degrees and and sunny. So everything you learned in May, like you said, uh, I would definitely uh, throw out the window and it's going to definitely be a uh, interesting race for sure with all of the storylines uh, going into it. And I can't imagine what the media bullpen tomorrow, uh, you know, Alex Pillow, I, ho I hope you're prepared tomorrow because uh, you are going to uh, get a bulk, if not all of the uh, of the media for sure. Uh, Jack, for people that, uh, you know, I, we're going to wrap this up here. I don't want to hold you too long. Um, for people that want to follow you, I know you do an amazing podcast uh, as well with uh, with J.R. Hildebrand. Uh, for people that don't listen to that, again, shame on them. Uh, but uh, where can that where can they find that at? And then where can they follow your work on uh, on social media? Yeah, so I'm on social media at Jack Benyon, B-E-N-Y-O-N. So you can catch me there. Um, and yeah, our, our podcast is available and all kind of like major uh, podcasting platforms. And the good news is that sometimes I can just ask a really short question and just let JR Hildebrand off his leash and, and let him talk. Cause we all know he loves to talk and man, has he got some insight when it comes to IndyCar? I mean, he is the the absolute perfect person to host the podcast with. And, you know, we, we have some fun. We, we take the mick out of each other a little bit, but when it comes to, you know, getting into the storylines of, of IndyCar, I think uh, JR helps me do a, a pretty good job of that. And JR himself is just so well connected, uh, not just in IndyCar, but all the way around motorsport and you know for anyone who knows him or, or follows him he's got a lot of what i would call fever which is like a bit of a term i guess you would describe that as someone who's interested in lots of different types of motorsport interested in motorsport history interested in cool cars and just cool things basically so um jr is definitely one of those guys um and and yeah it's uh it's honestly to to record a podcast with him every week is awesome because uh, i still go back to you know, think about watching him in the Panther racing car when I was uh, a bit younger and um, remembering just how well he handled everything that happened in, in 500 there. And uh, I don't think there's another, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the one. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's another human being on the planet who would have handled that situation as, as well as JR did. And I'm sure many people agree that his career should have been a lot longer and a lot more fruitful than it actually ended up being. But for, for my benefit, you know, I get to speak to him every week on our podcast and I get all of that brilliant 
insight and, and stuff like that that he should really be like on the tv coverage or something doing something a lot more uh massive but it's great to have him and yeah like i said sometimes uh, i joke with him that i'll just put a uh, I'll just send him a little picture of my face to stick on his microphone and he can just talk into that because he, he, you just you don't need to do much. You just kind of tee him up and, and let him do his thing and he's awesome. So, yeah, um, if you can't tell, then I get really excited about um, hosting a podcast with JR. So, um, yeah, definitely go and check that out. It's available on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, you and him, your the the podcast that you guys do. That is one of the first listens of the week uh, for me when I need uh, some great insider to maybe find something to write about. Uh, definitely listen to uh, to both of you. Uh, give uh, give Jr. Uh, my best. Hopefully, we'll be able to maybe see him uh, this weekend. I know uh, we'll probably cross paths once or twice. Uh, on Saturday. Well, I'll make sure that happens. But uh, Jack, again, huge thank you for carving a little bit of time out of your busy schedule uh, to join us. Uh, enjoy the race this weekend. Uh, we'll we'll talk down the road and especially we'll uh, we'll talk uh, uh, this weekend at the uh, media center for sure. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. It's been great. And uh, yeah, big fan. So thanks very much for, for having me on. And yeah, great. Hopefully get to meet you over the course of the weekend. Oh, well, I will definitely will make that happen. But uh, Jack, again, go check him out. Uh, social media, go uh, subscribe, like uh, his podcast he does on a weekly basis. If you're looking for a great insight that you're not going to find anywhere else, definitely go check out the podcast him and J.R. Hildebrand do. Uh, we'll be right back here on Push to Pass. Yeah, we'll try that again. But uh, but as I reiterated in the interview and then uh, meeting uh, Jack today at the Media Center, huge thank you uh, to Jack for carving out a little bit of time out of his schedule, obviously, uh, to uh, to stop by. And uh, definitely, 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 like I said, check out the work that he is doing along with uh, J.R. Hildebrand and others. But, yeah, this has ran a little more over than than I thought I would. So let's uh, let's get to. Uh, the current uh, NTT IndyCar standings, uh, and then we'll get to uh, the preview of the Gallagher Grand Prix, and then we will get on out of here. Uh, looking at the uh, point standings there as they show up on the screen, it is Marcus Erickson, uh, Will Power, uh, Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Pato Award, uh, Alex Pillow, uh, Scott McLaughlin, Colton Herta, Felix Rosenquist, uh, Alexander Rossi, your top 10. Uh, Simon Pagano, Renus VK, Graham Rahal, Ramon Grosjean, uh, Connor Daly, Christian Lungard, David Malukas, Elio Castroneves, uh, Takuma Sato, and Jimmy Johnson round out your top 20. Then it's Callum Eilat, Jack Harvey, Del Delva Delvin, DeFrancesca, uh, Kyle Kirkwood, and... Uh, Dalton Kellett that round out the top 25 currently in the NTT IndyCar points standings. Now, moving on as we're going to finish this up, wrap this up for this episode of Push to Pass. Let's take a look at the uh, preview, rather, the upcoming race this weekend, Saturday, the Gallagher Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, road course, as we've mentioned throughout the show. Uh, the NTT IndyCar Series is back at the world-famous Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend, 
for the Gallagher Grand Prix. And as we talked about with um, Mike and with uh, Jack as well, so many storylines coming in uh, to this event from the Iowa doubleheader last weekend. Uh, Joseph Newgarden's uh, status still up in the air uh, for the race. We'll give you an update before we get off here as well. And then also to how fractured uh, is the relationship between Chip Canassi Racing and Alex Pillow. Uh, like I said, uh, this race is going to be run on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. Uh, that is a 2.439-mile road course, uh, 14 turns, and it goes clockwise. Uh, the distance is going to be 85 laps or 207.3 miles. Uh, for the push-to-pass parameters, uh, there's going to be a total of 200 seconds of time with a max time of 20 seconds per activation. Uh, as it comes to tire uh, allotment, uh, there's going to be five sets of the black primary tires, uh, four sets of the alternative red tires, and also note a sixth set of primary tires uh, is going to be available to any car fielding a rookie driver. Uh, back in 2021, Will Power of the number 12 Verizon team Penske uh, Chevrolet was the winner. Uh, sitting on pole for the 2021 NTT P1 Award winner uh, was Pato Award in the number five, Errol McLaren SP Chevrolet, uh, with a time of one minute, 10 seconds, or one minute, 10 seconds, 0.71, and 124.167 miles per hour. Uh, the record qualifying lap comes from uh, Will Power of one minute and seven seconds, and he ran that at 129.687 miles an hour, and that was in May, May 12th to be exact, of 2017. Uh, taking a look at the track schedule for Friday and Saturday. Uh, first for Friday, uh, between 9.30 and 11 a.m. is when the NTT IndyCar Series is going to have their first uh, practice session, and then uh, starting at 1 p.m. is going to be qualifying uh, for the NTT P1 Award, and that's going to consist of three rounds of knockout qualifying. Uh, then we go to Saturday, uh, 8.15 to 8.45 in the morning is going to be the uh, warm-up for the NTT IndyCar Series. At 12.23 p.m., uh, drivers are going to get the famous words to start your engines, and the green flag is going to drop from the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course for the Gallagher Grand Prix at 12.30. Uh, taking a look at some active winners uh, of this race, uh, Will Power has won it five times. Uh, Simon Pagino has won it three times. Uh, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, and Renus VK both have won it one time. Uh, taking a look at active poll winners, uh, Will Power has has five, has captured five polls. Uh, Pato Award, Roman Grosjean, Renus VK, Felix Rosenquist, and Simon Pagino have each won one poll apiece. And taking a look at uh, predictions and for fantasy purposes, as we did with Mike earlier, uh, my locks for this week, uh, there's only three. Uh, Colton Herta, Scott McLaughlin, Will Power. Uh, my sleepers this week, uh, the Arrow McLaren SP team, both of Pato Award, who's behind me, and Felix Rosenquist, uh, Simon Pagino, uh, Connor Daly, uh, Renus VK, Marcus Erickson, Alex Rossi, uh, both cars from the Dale Coyne Racing Team and uh, cars from the uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing Stable as well. And then uh, my fades for this week, who I'm going to stay away from, uh, Joseph Newgarden, because obviously his status is up in the air right now, uh, Alex Pelot, Scott Dixon, Jimmy Johnson, Elio Castroneves, uh, any car from the AJ Foyt Racing Team, and 
rookie Delvin D. Francesca. So that is your look at uh, fantasy purposes uh, here on the Push to Pass uh, podcast. And now wrapping things up, like I said earlier, uh, give you a update on uh, Joseph Newgarden. Uh, this was tweeted out from the NTT IndyCar Series official Twitter page at about 6 p.m. this evening. Uh, the fo- the Following the event at the Iowa Speedway, and per IndyCar protocol, the driver of the number two PPG Team Penske Chevrolet, Joseph Newgarden, was evaluated this afternoon by IndyCar medical director, Dr. Gregory Bellows. The examination determined that Newgarden is cleared to participate in tomorrow's NTT IndyCar Series practice session on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. Newgarden will be reevaluated after the session to determine if he's cleared to resume all racing activities for the remainder of the Gallagher Grand Prix event. So that is where we stand right now with uh, the status of Joseph Newgarden. Uh, If anything does change, make sure you follow all of the social media outlets where you can find the Push to Pass podcast as you see them scrolling below your screen right now. So again, huge thank you. I know this has ran a little longer than I expected, but a huge thank you uh, first to Jack Bennon, of the race uh, for joining us. Uh, Check him out. He does amazing work. Check out the podcast he does as well. And then as always, a huge thank you to Mike from uh, Bet IndyCar. Uh, Make sure you're following him on social media for all of the updates uh, to betting lines and things of that nature. Uh, So that does it for this episode of the Push to Pass podcast. Uh, Thanks to everyone that uh, tuned in to listen slash watch and to people that will uh, tune in at a later date as well. Uh, So for Derek Vance, if you are out at the IMS road course this weekend and you do happen to uh, see me, make sure you tell me hi uh, that, that you listen and how much you enjoy the Push to Pass podcast because, as a reminder, this is all for you the racing fan. So uh, for Derek Vance and everyone else here at the push to pass podcast, we will see you next week with a preview of the Nashville street course race. See you then.